What's happening, everybody? This is V3Cast, episode 31, the official Voyager 3 podcast. What is going on, guys? Hey, what's up? It's been a while. We're we're back. uh, We're getting back into this the way we should be. That's right. Where were you guys? It's cold outside. There's leaves on the ground. It's that time. We got pumpkin pies in the oven. Come on now. (laughs) Come on. And a news flash. Did you guys hear about this? I think I posted it to our V3Cast Facebook group. But now, Fago makes the creamsicle. Just like that. Yeah, yep. I, I did I've it since the 90s. And now Fago makes it officially. They have an uh, ad campaign and graphics and a logo and everything like that. What? That's <laughs> I don't want to say that have... Fago is busy listening to V3Cast, but it yeah. seems highly suspect no no it's mm. true we have friends in high places we happen to be close personal friends with icp and they uh, <laughs> own Fago. who is this who do you wish to speak with and they got them to make the new flavor oh my god no i actually do have a friend who works at Fago, and she said that they do get calls sometimes for the members of icp because people think they actually work there or they really do own it so Oh my goodness. Well, we do have a loose connection to ICP, but mm-hmm. that's a story for a different day. That is right. True. That is true. All right. Well, we got a lot to cover in this episode. This is going to be a kind of a cool hangout episode. We haven't done that in a minute. So we're just going to be hanging out, talking about all kinds of cool stuff that we've done. Uh, mainly, our headline topic, if you will, of this episode is sharing all of our cool summer and fall time concerts that we went to now personally speaking for myself i went to more concerts this year than i've gone to in probably about five or six years and i know aaron i think you you maybe broke a record man yeah. every few days aaron went to every concert he that did. came through detroit he totally did my yeah. god well all that concert going is making me thirsty so i gotta know what are y'all drinking but we're about to take a time warp because oh, yeah. one of the concerts we went to, all three of us, as a matter of fact, was Godflesh back at L Club. And we had some time to kill before the show. So we went to La Halle Ciense and we had some awesome beverages at that place. And we're about to tell you about it right now. Housemade ginger ale at La Halle Ciense in Mexican town, Detroit. My first time trying it. Cheers. Greg, that's spicy. It's a pretty standard Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Boring compared to what you guys got. Oh, yeah. I do the best I can. That house made uh, ginger ale was outstanding. I'm a simple guy. And you've had that before, right? Yes. You can get this just about anywhere. All right. I got myself a margarita. We're at La Halle Ciencia, and uh, Greg is trying to smooch off my margarita, but uh, I won't let him. <laughs> I might let him, and uh, let's see how it is here. What's the verdict? Classic. It's great. 
got it's got some spiciness to it too. Yeah, squeeze that lime in there. Gonna squeeze the lime in here. Come on. Yes, yes. Love it. It's awesome. This is just a nice night out, it's don't you nice think? Night out. Yes. This is just a nice night Unexpected. out. Unexpected. Unexpected. Who are we going to see? We're going to see Godflesh tonight. That's right. At Club. All right. So cheers to everybody for enjoying your favorite beverage. And I got to get back there because I want some more of that house made ginger ale. It was off the hook good. But mm -hmm. uh, hey, since we were uh, on the topic of Godflesh, why don't you talk about that a little bit, Aaron? Because that was a killer show. All right. Well, that was a great show. It was my first time seeing Godflesh. This was back in September. My first time seeing Godflesh. I've been a fan of Godflesh. All three of us have been fans of them since the early 90s, since pretty much the beginning, maybe their second album, maybe first album. Um, and we, uh, they were part, people have heard this story on the podcast before, they were part of the reason that Greg even joined our band Forge back then because he was into Godflesh, we were playing with a drum machine, and that kind of got his interest. Um, so, but after all these years, it's the first time I saw Godflesh. I had tickets to their show like a few years ago, like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, but that tour got canceled. Um, so this is my first time and it was at Elf Elk club and it was awesome. And, uh, what was even just as cool about it is it was the first time the three of us have been to a show together in, I don't know how long, I don't know. Yeah. It was probably a kiss show, maybe five years ago or something. That the three of us were at together. Um, something like that. COVID put a wedge and all that stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then the very next night, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I saw a lot of shows this summer, but the very next night, summer and fall was goblin at the Redford theater and the three of us were there together. Uh, so it was pretty, it was like an overload. Oh no. You know what? Let's go back even before because okay. back in earlier in September was Danzig, right? Yep. That's right. At the Masonic and, Steve and I were there and yeah. uh, every band was excellent on that show. And for me yeah. personally, I didn't know any of them. Um, I mean, I, I, who was the direct support? Cause I, I had heard their name before behemoth. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard their name and maybe heard a couple songs here and there. Um, but the other bands, um, uh, midnight. Yeah. Midnight and uh twin temple, right? Twin temple. Yep. Yeah. They were, both fantastic and i had yeah. i didn't know anything about them not even what kind of music they were or anything and twin temples super surprised me because what they play i don't think if you told me to guess 10 tries what kind of bands would open for danzig i wouldn't have guessed like some kind of satanic doo-wop uh right. type of thing right. it was it was really fun it was really cool i, yeah. I enjoyed it super cool they were great they were the only band i didn't know on that night um, I love Midnight. That that band has so much energy and so much stage presence. The guitarist plays very involved, awesome riffs, but he's constantly moving, jumping up on the amps. But yeah, Behemoth is always great. I don't know how many times I've seen them now. Uh, and that was only my second time seeing Danzig. And that was awesome. Of course, Tommy Victor was there on guitar with him. So that was a great night. And that was my first time being at a show with steve in a while and then you know um i don't know a week later i was 
at Megadeth with Greg in in uh, Windsor. Okay. Yeah, in that, Windsor. Um, Megadeth was that the night before Godflesh? In the night before, it was. They were right. Yeah, it was the next night. Yeah, because um, I was trying. I remember I was trying really hard to like punk out on Godflesh. I don't know if you guys remember that. Like, <laughs> we went to we went to see Megadeth. And like, I was like, man, am I really going to go to two concerts in a row? Like, that seems like a lot. Yeah, but you can't miss Godflesh, man. They, I know. That I'm, glad I, I'm glad I manned up. Yeah. And it yeah. was appropriate because, like you said, the last show that all three of us went together, no, none of us can remember, but Godflesh would be the one. That right. makes the most sense. <laughs> it sounded great, man. Yeah, the sound at L Club is so good. It was, it was yeah. just right. Just, I remember you know, it's like really smoky in there. Well, like, you know, not like cigarette smoke, but like, you know, smoke machine, really smoky, really dark lighting. And yeah. uh, it was, it was awesome. And uh, when we were standing out in line, we were kind of talking about like what song we'd really want to hear. Like if we could choose something. And I was like, well, I think, uh, I think uh, deadhead off street cleaner has always kind of been my favorite song. But I doubt they're going to play it. Greg was like, yeah, it's a real deep track on that album. I don't know if it's going to happen. And fucking A, right in the middle of the set, they played Dead End. I I think I pissed my pants. But (laughs) I had to go to the bathroom. enough that nobody noticed me peeing myself. So it was great. I fell down (laughs) and and, and like Crash Bandicoot, my shoes flew up in the air after I (laughs) fell down. It was ridiculous. (laughs) It was crazy. And And then flash forward, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Uh, we were at, well, yeah, we went to Goblin, right? Okay. We went to Goblin. Yeah. That was great. Bird Theater where they yeah, scored Bird demons Theater. live. We actually got to tell Claudio Simonetti that he was, that Goblin is like, uh, pretty much the biggest influence on our band. And he's like, oh, great. I love you guys. Void you three. You guys are awesome. I have all your albums. No, he didn't say that, but he did say, he didn't thank say you. any of that. He didn't say any of that. And I told him he was our he was our musical godfather. And I think he said something like uh uh Dio, which would be in Italian. I think that's what he said. And he seemed to accept it that we that we were proclaiming him as our godfather. He didn't reject it at all and he didn't say was off. <laughs> he, he put it in his own language. So that was pretty cool. He didn't um, seem to be acting like he was in imminent danger either. So right. you know, like that's reassuring. But we yeah. got a we got a we got a picture with him, and then I what I think was the coolest thing about that show is that like we stuck around long enough that he actually like came out front and played the Redford Theater's pipe organ. Yeah, man. And that's like everybody else at the show had left, and we were just kind of like hanging out, and their security wasn't like that great, I guess. So they just let us keep hanging out. Well, yeah. So we just no, they were cool because there were a handful of people who who were stuck around there were maybe six people seven eight people yeah uh, nobody got kicked out you know but almost everybody else was gone um it was amazing yeah, we got to see we got to see claudia play like a like a church organ it seemed right. like right you know, which is super cool yeah so that was like a special sort of treat at that show yeah right we were right up in front for that one and then the very next night, this was a series of shows where either two or three of us were together. The very next night was Hellmouth, the triumphant yeah. return of Hellmouth to the sanctuary. That's right. And all three of us were there again. And Steve actually got to open for them uh, with a solo set. And um, 
that was awesome because I as as much as I love Hellmouth, I had never seen them before. And I'm friends with some of the guys. We're we're friends with some of the guys in the band. And uh so I finally got to see Hellmouth. So that was great. And all three of us were there. So it was like a whole chunk of shows where we were we were together. Right. It was awesome. And Aaron was convinced Steve was gonna call him up like the entire set. Oh yeah. you know to back. <laughs> Yeah, I was like making this face to Greg. I just have to have a guitar here, Aaron. Why don't you come on up? <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, no, no. Yeah, no. Oh, okay, okay. Right. What's that and Saturday Night like, Live skit? Uh, don't make me sing. Don't exactly. make me sing. <laughs> hey, what merch did you... R- remind me what merch you picked up at Godflesh. Didn't you guys buy... Uh, what did you buy? Shirts? Yeah, I got a street cleaner shirt. Same. Yeah. Oh, you guys got the same shirt. You're cousins, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. cousins. It was a it was a killer shirt, and the other one was cool too. But it wasn't street cleaner. You know, it, it yeah, was, it was the new big album, big. which was cool, but I had to go old school. That's right. That's one of the consequences of uh, I've seen thirteen. Well, tomorrow night when I see Sponge and Crud, it'll be thirteen shows from July <laughs> until uh, you know tomorrow. Um, and I got a t-shirt in almost every show. And so I don't have enough hangers. I got to go out and get more hangers. Cause I have all these t-shirts <laughs> with no place to go in the closet. Hey man, it's a marker. You know, you, you went to the show, you earned it. You rocked out with the band. You got to take a t-shirt home. That's, that's how it works. That's That'll what work. people do when we, ha- we have a concert. We hope to sell three or four shirts if we're lucky. <laughs> 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 Aaron, I got to ask you. I, I don't know yeah. what order you're going in, and I, I'm a, I apologize in advance if I'm messing up the mojo of your order. But you got to tell me about Metallica because that's the one I'm most curious about. Yeah, because I yeah. like Metallica. Okay, not mm-hmm. enough to go see them live. I would I wouldn't say, especially for that kind of thing where it's two nights and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I want to live vicariously through you and 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 find out some more about Metallica. How, yeah, how it was well. It was another first for me. It was the first time I saw Metallica. Um, I had a chance to see them at a Ryan Fest you know, 10 years ago or so, but I blew it. I uh, I didn't have the urgency in me, and I thought they would be doing that every summer. They had, say, they had said that originally. They'd do it every summer at Belle Isle. So I was like, oh, I'll go next year. No, there was no next year. Oh, yeah. But um, So this is my first time. You know, obviously it would have been cool to see Metallica in like 1987 or 88, but no, didn't happen. So um, them being, you know, older and and uh, and everything, uh, they're still they're still great. So this was at Ford Field, of course. It was a huge kind of donut style stage. Um, instead of it was a round stage, so like at the 50 yard line, instead of being sort of a disc shape, it was a cut out donut walkway so fans were in the middle too and um and what was really cool is like the stage was just a big cat a big walkway right a big black walkway no drums nothing on it and then they started playing uh it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll they played that whole song and then it's the end end of the song the drums rose out of a hole in the floor, like kind of like Kiss's drums did uh, a few more weeks ago, um, right uh, right out of the floor uh, onto a blank stage, and suddenly there's a big yellow drum set there, and the band, you know, the mobile guys were 
running around everywhere. The other three guys were going wherever they wanted. Lars was on this rotating, slowly rotating drum kit. And they played maybe a half hour like that. And then they played sort of some some music, some like atmospheric music. That drum set sank into the floor and another one rose up a quarter of the stage, a quarter of the donut away. And it did that all through the night. So there were four identical yellow drum sets that rose through the floor at you know four to cover the four quarter uh sort of corners of the stage yeah and uh so lars you know everybody got to see lars everybody got to see the rest of the band there were mics maybe every 15 feet so james could sing one verse right here and then walk across the way sing these people sing the next he could change you know seven times in a song he could go to different mics it didn't matter it was awesome and uh it sounded great you know being at a big arena or you know stadium like that it still sounded great and it was what was really unique about it it was a two week uh, i mean two night um no repeat night so two hours friday two hours sunday and they didn't repeat any songs so uh i think when when they played one uh, at the end of the second night, I think my soul left my body. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw it like float away. Gotcha. So I think the first time I saw Metallica would have been the Injustice for All tour, and it was at Pine Knob. That's amazing. That, that must have been so incredible. Well, see, it's funny because I was into Metallica because of my cousin, who was my cousin played football at Warren Mott, and. Uh, he turned me on to Metallica because they would listen to that in the locker room to get like hyped up. And he's like, have you ever heard this band Metallica? And I'm like, no, because, <laughs> you know, back at that time I was, I was a hundred percent kiss, like tunnel vision kissed. Like if it wasn't kissed, I didn't, it doesn't exist to me, <laughs> you know? So like, um, but he played it for me and I, I, I think it was master of puppets that he played for me. And I was like, well, holy shit, that's, a, that's something new. And, uh, <laughs> and I and I remember so I remember getting into him right around that time but then like uh you guys remember that little independent radio station that was in Warren I forget what WP HS WPHS yeah. yeah it was a high school channel yep oh yeah and it was in Warren they played Eye of the Beholder you know the one that you know which one that is off Injustice yeah. It sort of fades up with that like rhythmic drum pattern. Yeah. That was the one that that was the one that sold me on Metallica. As soon as I heard that song, I'm like, all right, this is they're probably the best band there is. So okay. I, you know, I, I, you know, so I got to see them that year because I got way into them. Like I've sort of passed. I've done what Aaron did. Every time they come, I'm kind of like, well, you know, it's 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 Metallica. I mean, I saw them at Pine Knob and <laughs> Injustice for All. I don't know if I'm going to top that. No. So I just kind of don't go. Right. But I came close to going. I got offered a few tickets and uh, a couple of them didn't work out. But then on the Sunday night show, I could have went and I punked out. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was uh, it was fun. And they were just happy to be there. Like they were just having a good time. They were joking with everybody. They were everybody just seemed real relaxed. Like after the, sh after both nights or after both sets, each person went up to the mic and thanked everybody and said their own thing. Um, it just, you know, there's something about, uh, 
when a band gets older and isn't trying to like that Metallica doesn't have anything to prove anymore. And part that's probably part of the criticism people have sometimes is that they don't have that, that fire of youth, but whatever, dude, you know, they're still out there. They're still making music. They're still having fun. It's not going to be in any way as good as what it was in the eighties. It's not, but um, they're there. I'd rather, I think I'd rather live in a world where they're still playing than that they, that they're not playing, you know, every single show I went to was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Godflesh, the Danzig, uh, Goblin, Hellmouth was, was outstanding. I mean, I, I had seen those guys, you know, many years earlier, like at the magic stick. Uh, I can't remember even what year that would have been, you know, maybe, uh, 2010 or 2008 maybe you know roughly that and uh they were great then too um but to you know to get like a refresher and see them at uh sanctuary which by the way i mean they they, they played like, like they never stopped you know right, right. i agree i hear I'll, I'll share a show uh the day after my birthday this year um i went and saw cynic at uh sanctuary sold out show was atheist on the bill too and uh, two others that opened, but I didn't get there in time in time to see those guys. I just saw Atheist and Cynic, and I, I I've loved Cynic since way back because, for those who don't know, the the uh, Death album Human <clears throat> had basically Cynic plus Chuck, of course, uh, on that record, and Steve DiGiorgio was on there. He's not in Cynic, but uh, Paul Masvidal and uh, Sean Reinert were the drummer and the other guitar player on Human. So because of I got introduced to those guys from Human, I, I went and bought uh, the album Focus by Cynic, and I've loved it ever since. It's kind of like a progressive metal and jazz fusion at the same time. It's an incredible combination that I love. So I, I went and saw them. There's an incredible show, sold out. The staff is great. The sound is great. It's a tight ship at, at, that, at that venue. I, but no one talks about it to me, but I'm I'm out of the loop probably, but... But that's a great venue, man. And they yeah, he's, get, he, he's, the metal shows. he's getting a lot of the metal, like the metal shows. Yeah, he, I I think he is. I, I think that venue and him in particular. I think he does. He, people know, like there's other, there's bands from out of town that are talking about the sanctuary. So okay, good, good. Yeah, it's been coming up for a while. It's been a great time, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of stuff next year. Oh, you're taking December off, are you? Well, I don't think there's any, I mean, I'll probably find something, but I don't think there's anything that I have tickets to ahead of time. Right. You know? Right. Right on. So what Well, I do, I, I have one show I have that I went to that you guys didn't come to that I have to mention. Oh yeah. And, and it was, plus, it was, I, I got to know about this show too. Go ahead. So it was a big deal for me. I went and saw a tangerine dream in Chicago. So it was like a, you know, everybody who knows me, especially my family, if you ask them, because I, I have this thing I do to my kids now. And uh, so I'll, I'll ask them, I'll go up to I'll go up to them randomly, you know, at any moment and be like, hey, who's your favorite band? And why is it Tangerine Dream? You know, so I do that to them like constantly and uh, they sort of hate it now. <laughs> but uh, so anybody that knows me knows like I, I I'm gone all the way down the rabbit hole with tangerine dream and i talked to my friend jeff about them all the time and he went to see him down south but uh i got my chance but just like steve was saying 
for some reason, Tangerine Dream didn't come to Detroit. So, you, you know, either nobody bought the show or they just skipped it or whatever. So the closest one was Chicago. So I went out there and saw him and it was, uh, it was incredible. So I, we got there and I was ready. <laughs> you know, my body was ready, Aaron. Yes. And the, the, the venue that they played, the Metro is very similar to, uh, I, I think it's very similar to St. Andrews and the sound was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was hyped up and, uh, they played, they played, you know, so they're, you guys know the deal, right? Like none of the original members of Tangerine Dream are still alive or playing in that band. So, um, it's like a whole new lineup with a guy that was, has sort of been handed the keys to the kingdom. And then he's got two other people with him. And, uh, so anyways, uh, they played some of they've put out, I think at least one record, if not two under this new lineup. So they played, they played about, you know, half of that and then half of the classic stuff. So, yeah. and I, and I like the new stuff. I like the Thorsten guy. I like some of this solo stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like anybody that's involved in that band, I'll, <laughs> I'll go listen to it. So, yeah. so what do we need to know, Steve? Those, they were out of shirts. So I couldn't Snapchat. get a shirt. That was a bummer. Oh, they were out of shirts. Really? It was oh, the last wow. night of their American dates. And they they ran out of merch. Wow, shirts at least. They had a bunch of vinyl, but yeah, I had most of it. Um, yeah. Did they play um, the lead track off of Stratosphere? I think it's called Stratosphere. Did they play that track. Uh, I don't remember. You know, like I said, the IPAs were flowing. <laughs> right, right, right. And I was just more in the zone. Like, uh, but I I remember them playing like the stuff you wanted to hear. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they played that in particular, but I have a picture of the set list somewhere. Cause I wanted to sort of like revisit what they played. Yeah, definitely. But I know they played a few tracks off that ROM album, which is like the newer one. Yeah. And I think they played, uh, I think they played love on a real train, you know, cause that's one of the bigger ones. That was from risky business. Well, that's right. But, yeah. uh, and those Snapchats you sent me sounded great. Like, yeah, there was a lot of bass happening for sure. Yeah, it was awesome. Good, man. Yeah, so that's a highlight for, for, for your season for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. And just going to Chicago, you know, like, and, you know, I got to go. I, I think I went to like no less than three or four record stores in Chicago. I met up with our friend Costa. He made me drink Malort. It's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, we haven't seen Costa in a while. I, I hope he can make it back. Well, to I have. And he made me drink the most awful liquor what's, there is. What's it called? Malort. I've never heard that name ever. It I told you guys tough. about it. It's it's the company that has that marketing that says, because tonight's the night you fight your dad. <laughs> That's like how they market their liquor. It's like, oh, wow. it's like Jägermeister, but even worse. God. Jeez. Wow. It's like a Chicago thing that they do to like tourists. I found out later. So like uh, if somebody visits Chicago, they make like, like Costa made me do a shot of Malort and it's sort of like a thing you do to people. Yeah. <laughs> it does not taste good, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Hmm. It sounds disgusting. Like yeah. even in the sound of it sounds like uh, what do they call that? Where the, the word is like, makes the sound of what you make when you do it. Onomatopoeia, oh, yeah. or yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, freaking sure. uh, 
you know, palindrome or whatever, or whatever it is. All right. Is, are there any more concerts, uh, tales or, or, or mentions that you want to do? Cause no, I think that's good. Get... Okay. Because we have to get to the next segment, which, uh, in addition to concerts, we've been watching a lot of movies and or TV shows. So it comes back to our Tubi picks. Yes. Yes. What have y'all been watching on Tubi? Uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff and a lot of it has been on Tubi, other, other channels too. But um, one that stuck with me, I watched it, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. Um, I've been on a John Carpenter kick and uh, I've been watching more carpenter than i ever have so some of the stuff i've seen obviously and some of the stuff i haven't and uh for this one i wanted to watch one i hadn't seen before so i watched on tubi in the mouth of madness with sam neill from That's 19 an awesome one. and it's great it i'd always heard about it all these years decades and i mm -hmm. finally man this is the one i heard so much about way back when i'm going to check it out finally and it was so good it was awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's his version of, well, one of his entries into the cosmic horror genre. The thing I think would also count as a cosmic horror genre kind of thing. Um, and uh, it's about a guy who is an insurance investigator who kind of uncovers fraud and stuff. And he's investigating the disappearance of this writer, Sutter Kane, who, when you first start watching the movie, you think that it's just a stand in for Stephen King, but then they actually say his books have outsold Stephen King. So, you know, that in this world, they both exist and he's better than Stephen King. And, uh, but his books are making people crazy, like mad and, uh, the more books he puts out, the more people are sort of succumbing to this madness. Like they seem like fanatical fans, but then there's more to it than that. And then as the movie goes on, you realize he's doing it on purpose. He's like ushering in this madness with his books for a reason. And uh, it's, it was really cool. Um, Sam Neill was awesome. He got to play, you know, a guy who starts off as a totally normal straight laced guy and then uh, loses it throughout the movie yeah um i remember that one scene when when they're at the restaurant and he's talking to um is it like a the investigator or something like that he's, yeah he's another person who works works with him yeah yeah and the guy like the crazy person's like starts breaking through the window or does break through the window and attacks them in, in, in the yeah. restaurant booth I, I always remember that scene that's a that's yeah cool yeah it was cool it was a fun movie and uh and uh I'm still watching a bunch of John Carpenter stuff. I'm kind of going through looking for the ones that I never saw. So yeah. Um, I fired up. I was surprised that this was on Tubi because it seems like um, I wouldn't have expected it, but Mad Max Fury Road. And I had only seen that one time at the theater and then one time on the Blu-ray that I, that I own. So I haven't yeah. seen it a lot, but I, 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 I watched that and the, I can't believe how good of a job that George Miller did on that film. It's right in line with all the other three. It, it, it's not like a big departure because it's so much time passed mm -hmm. since, uh, beyond Thunderdome. It's right there. And the, the chases are perfect. You know, he has that certain 
mojo when he's filming the the the, the car and chase scenes some of it is because it's sped up yeah. it's just because those those wonderful aussies man they just have a certain feel this post-apocalyptic thing that they have god bless them and it just it's the same feel as the other films and it, he nails it and the music is great um tom holcomborn did did that score who's uh J- junkie xl some people might know him as that um just killer and 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 how about the crazy uh mutant guitar player oh in front of the, like the big stack of amps and everything as they're raging through the desert, killing people. It's just, it's so crazy yeah. and it's done so well. So I was already, I was already so into that movie and just kind of melting in my seat. And then when the guitar player came out strapped to the front of that huge rig, yeah, I, I couldn't take it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. And then it, it, if you haven't seen it a lot or if you didn't, pick out everything behind him are drummers in case you didn't know that like big huge, huge. kettle drum guys or whatever, yeah. like battle drums you know so it's like they, they had the whole thing worked out loved it it's literally when i saw it i was like this is somehow the most metal movie i've ever seen like i mean the essence of metal about you know fantasy and warriors and like you know, fantastic settings and all that stuff and action and momentum and, and speed. I was like, this is the most metal movie ever made somehow. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and what a great, uh, bad guy too. just freaking ruthless. Like, and he was mad. All of his wives left him. I'd, I'd be mad too. <laughs> like you guys can't escape me. What are you, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> Yeah, everything. All the characters. His his henchmen were great, and uh, freaking uh, Furiosa, uh, Charlie Theron kind of stole the show. And and you know, and Tom Hardy is already a great actor, can do anything, and you get to see. That's one of the only times I've been okay with a with an actor getting replaced in a movie because you get to have Mad Max without racist bitch ass Mel Gibson and you get to have Tom Hardy take over the role. And it was like, what could be more perfect? It's great. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been sort of this buzzing along the way, every few years it comes out that, Oh, we have uh, two more films that, that, uh, that we had extra material from when we wrote this film and they're going to be two films. And we're going to give one to uh, Charlize Theron's character. I forgot her name now. Furiosa. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna. She might get a film, but well, she does have one coming. Well, but it, the weird thing though is, speaking of replacing actors, it's not her. It's her younger, the character younger. So it's that oh. uh, Anya Taylor Joy, I think her name is, which is really throwing me because like they introduced her character and I was like, you know, she's a great addition to the Mad Max mythos, and then just when you get used to her she's replaced with another actor actress playing yeah. the same role. So I don't know, hopefully it'll be decent. George Miller has pulled off, you know, so many great things. So hopefully it'll be good. Right now. That's, that's already done filming. No, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Is, yeah. Do you think that it's uh, both of them? Like, does it have some time in the story where she's younger and then some time in the story where she's older and then it'll be, Shirley Theron, or we don't know. Oh, I would hope so, but I don't think so. And of course, it doesn't have any Mad Max at all, which is crazy. But uh, who knows? 
you know, I'll be open-minded about it. Yeah. I, I, I hope we can get all of what he has in mind. Uh, yeah. You know, before it's too late, I don't want to sound morbid, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, right. he's not getting any younger uh, right. and not even just to say he'll, he'll pass away, but just he'd be to the, to the spot in his life where he doesn't want to make a movie because making a movie is hard as shit. And, right. and, and if you're 79 years old, for example, you might not want to make a movie. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Maybe. Yeah, if, if, if you do cool, but, but, uh, you know, every year that goes by the odds, I think get less and less or it gets more difficult. So uh, I hope it can come together because I want to see more of that world with the man telling it, not, not somebody else taking the reins. Not that that's possible, but I want to hear it from George Miller, you know? Sure. Absolutely. So mine is a documentary about one of my favorite films, uh, the shining. And this is like a, a rabbit hole movie. So it's called room Two Thirty Seven, And it's, it's sort of a bunch of interviews with a bunch of people who think they've sort of figured out all the symbolism and all the weird hidden messages in the shining. Oh yes. They think they have. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, some of it, some of it, you're kind of like, all right, maybe, but, um, some of it, I don't know, man, it's pretty compelling. Like, you know, some of the points they make and then, uh, you know, it, I'm just so obsessed with that movie and the way it looks and everything about it. And I know that Stanley Kubrick is one of those guys that would definitely, you know, put Easter eggs in there that mean something, you know, like every scene and every shot is thought out and probably overthought by him. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. It's interesting. Like I, I don't believe all of it, everything I see, I saw in, in the documentary and I, and I think I've seen it in bits and pieces before, but I actually sat through the whole thing. Um, yeah. One night I got sucked into it and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Like, I want to watch that from start to finish to see everything that's in there. And, uh, some of it, some of it I'm on board with other things, not, not as much, but, uh, it's interesting if you love the shining and you haven't seen it, it's on TV and it get, it's got a pretty good rotten tomato score. And, uh, the music's really awesome too. I think yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I was going to reiterate that is that the, the score to that and the guy's name escapes me who uh, who worked on it. It might have been a couple people, but uh, such an excellent job. It's all, you know, authentic uh, instruments are the real instruments, um, not software. You know, not that there's anything wrong with software, but <clears throat> this really hits home with uh, all the authentic gear and it's like you know old drum set play along with a sequencer going on and it just has that really authentic feel and and it's really good writing so uh, yeah i think um death waltz put that out you know 10 years ago now or something like that so it's floating out there somewhere (laughs) if you care to uh to get it but i definitely recommend that soundtrack for sure yeah i'll recommend i'd recommend the documentary if you're into the shining i think you'll enjoy at least most of it Cool. I'll check it out. I've never seen it, but I love the movie, of course. Black Friday. Oh, yep. Black Friday. Everybody's uh, got a Black Friday sale, special, uh, unveiling, this, that, and the other thing. Well, Voyager 3 is no exception. So we've been teasing some like little video animations and some reminders uh, on, our, on our social media the last week, but we have a really honest to goodness killer black friday sale 
that happens on the 24th and it goes through the 27th. So basically we have a whole bunch of new merch, which no one's ever seen. We're going to unveil it when the sale starts. We have sprinkled discounts all over all kinds of different merch that we have in the store. What else? We have uh, rarities that we're going to put into the store of stuff that hasn't been seen in a long time, that stuff that's been sold out, whatever. We've dug deep into our crates and boxes of stuff, and we're going to try to put as much rare stuff out as possible. We have free United States shipping, you know, contiguous United States shipping on all orders over $35. So not only are some of the items discounted, but if your order is over 35 bucks, then the shipping's free. So it's, it's going to be killer. Not to mention all these new items. Uh, people are going to love these new items for sure. Uh, what else? Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to reinstate for the first, let's pick a number for the first, uh, 35 orders that we get, um, we're going to match the shirt. So if you recall, um, if you order, say, for example, a New York Ninja shirt in a large, then we're going to throw in a random other large t-shirt with that order uh, on, on the first 35 of them. So it's, it, it's dealer's call. Voyager 3 gets to decide. <laughs> right, right. Because that was what we were saying. Because my idea was that we would throw in a random size shirt. Yeah, right. So just, like, yeah, hmm. like you order a large and we give you an extra small. Right. It's useless to wait. me. <laughs> okay. We won't do that part, but uh, it'll be a size match. Okay, I got it. Yes. I had a hard time with that concept a few few months ago. So this is like, you know, I can't think of a of a better like if you're a fan of a band, uh, you know, you get hooked up. You know, if you think about you buy a shirt from a band and they give you another shirt with it, uh, that's incredible. You know, so there's, we're just trying to be as a uh, band for the people. That's right. We're a band for the people. We're trying to get in on the black Friday festiveness, the black Friday Voyager three sale, uh, starts on the 24th through the 27th. All those things I mentioned, uh, it is at Voyager three store dot com which is v-o-y-a-g three r store.com you don't want to miss it mailbag all right i have a mailbag to bring up here uh the cool guys that's right patrick and dustin from found on shelf podcast uh, chimed in about um, two episodes ago. We were talking about favorite Nintendo games, if you recall. And uh, I, I said in particular, man, I never got the GameCube. Like I had NES. I played Super Nintendo uh, at different friends' uh, pl- houses or or that one venue that that had it set up uh, in, in like the lounge area, and we stayed the night there at the Flint local back in the day. Um, but uh, he said that the GameCube had this game called Eternal Darkness, and he tried to describe it to me. And I've never really heard of a game that does this kind of stuff. So it's basically like a a horror game. It's spooky. It's scary. You're in this kind of looks like a castle because I because he sent me a link to like the trailer or some gameplay examples of it or something like that. And uh, it's got this girl. And a couple times she had a sword and. Uh, you're going from room to room. It's like a library 
in one part and then like an area that has beds and closets and another area that has like stairs, I think. And uh, you get this like scare meter or something like that in the, in the game. And if you get close to some of the bad guys and your scare meter gets up too high, the game starts messing with you and you'll start hearing like babies crying in the background and the game will like the whole screen will tilt and you have to now play it tilted or you'll start to sink into the floor or all of your inventory is gone or the game mutes and there's no audio, just really crazy. Like it, it kind of almost breaks the fourth wall and, and crosses between the game and like you as a player playing the game. And uh, so the game is called Eternal Darkness. I had never heard of it, but after I watched this video that he sent me, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, I like to check it out. I don't have a GameCube, but it's it just seems cool and different enough. It's got like a good mojo to it. So uh, if you like older, um, you know, more obscure games, a lot of people do, I think uh, you would want to check out uh, Eternal Darkness. It, it seems really cool. So uh, thanks, Patrick and Dustin, for that suggestion. And uh, I'm going to try to check it out if I can. Or maybe I can find it on the computer or something like that. Or maybe maybe it's on Switch. You know how they have some of those classic games? Maybe. Uh, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I like that title, Eternal Darkness. What's not to like about that? I know. Right. Sure. For sure. But I just like it how it like breaks... You're not you're not just playing the game now. It's like messing with you. And he was telling me about like how the game will. He was playing it, and uh, he got to like one of the final bosses, and the sound went out. And he thought one of his friends was like sat on the remote or was goofing around and hit the button. But his friend said, "Dude, we don't have a remote for this TV." And he's like, "Oh my god!" So that's that's fun, man. I like that. Very that's- cool. All right. One of our next topics is since it's the season, we thought we'd mention Eli Roth's new film entitled Thanksgiving. I think it's out now. I think it's been out for three or four days. And um, most people probably know, but um, it comes from a spoof trailer uh, that they did uh, during 2007's Grindhouse. They had a handful of mock or fake trailers that they did sprinkled out throughout that film to kind of give you that sense of how films used to do back then. They'd have a whole bunch of trailers like before a film would start sometimes or in the intermission of films back in like the drive-in days when they'd be an intermission and you could go get more popcorn, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, one of them was called Thanksgiving and it was kind of outlandish and, and it really gained attention and people talked about that trailer in particular. Um, so now what is it? 16 years later, uh, they've managed to, to make the film and, uh, the the trailer, it looks good to me. You know, the premise Oh, the, check it out. The, the, uh, the bad guy's name, you know, or the, you know, the, 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 the killer is called the Carver. I love it. (laughs) It's getting good reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that it's getting the, the best reviews of his career, which is, Pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, and like, you know, I was thinking about, I had to look up because I, when I saw Grindhouse with Planet Terror and Death Proof, Planet Terror by Robert Rodriguez, Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino. And those guys had the idea to make this double feature movie. They kind of cut both movies down so they could show them together. 
and then they put the the fake trailers in and out of the five fake trailers um now three of them have been made into movies you got machete uh, which was made into two movies, Machete and Machete Kills, uh, 2010, 2013. And I love those movies. I love uh, Danny uh, Trejo. Yeah. Um, and I almost forgot Hobo with the Shotgun debuted the fake trailer in the Grindhouse movie with Rutger Hauer. And, uh, and that movie came out in 2010. And now Thanksgiving is, is finally... Shout out, shout out to Jason Eisner, who, who directed yeah. it. Um, Thanksgiving is finally hitting. So that's three out of the five movies. So what an amazing thing. If you think about it, like for movie geeks, for people who love those directors and that genre of like exploitation and kind of trashy movies, um, to have this thing where Tarantino and Rodriguez said, let's, let's bring in our friends. Let's have them do some fake trailers. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll do this move, these two movies together and put it out as a package. And then, out of that little kind of jokey, fun idea, gimmicky idea, you have like a legacy right. that's going 2007 to 2023, where these movies are still coming out based on these fake trailers. It's uh, that's never been done. You no, can't you can look original. all history, and nothing like that's ever happened. So I'm super proud of Eli Roth. This looks really cool, and I'm definitely going to see it. Although it's competing this week, this weekend with Napoleon, which I absolutely have to see from Ridley Scott. But if I can pull off a miracle, I'll see them both. Um, so yeah, the, and the trailer that the you know the current trailer for the movie is it matches pretty much matches the tone of the original, you know, fake trailer yeah. and uh, some of the stuff they either. I don't know if they recreated or if they just used it in the new trailer, reused some of the old stuff. So yeah, good, super good question on that. My, my gut would say they did not, but you never know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. And, and the music um, seems to be pretty cool too. I, I looked up the uh, composer and his name is Brandon Robertson. I didn't know that uh, just by name, but then when I saw what he did, I'm like, Oh yeah. I, I, I like the music for a silent place. Uh, I like the music for that, for the twilight zone uh, TV shows that were, um, you know, the most recent ones with uh, Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele. Yeah. yeah. And he did uh, Logan. And I know that's up your alley, Aaron, for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's like, he's an accomplished composer for sure. And this is his latest uh, film. So uh, yeah. Um, get out there and see it. You know, it's perfect time for obvious reasons. So if you can sneak out during this uh, Thanksgiving holiday weekend, uh, do it and 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 see a, a over the top what appears to be an over the top slasher film. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm always up for a good slasher film, and I like that. Uh, I like that he kept with the naming convention of like Halloween, Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for Christmas. That's right. the one I'm looking forward to. I wanted to do a real quick friends doing cool stuff segment this time um this is a guy who we go way back with back when we kind of first started playing in the early 90s we there was a band we played with a couple times we, we were forged back then band we played with a couple times called slow children at play the bass player of that band was a guy named scott sigler um and we became friends and um i remember scott was working on his first book 
And he sent me a proof, like he wanted to see what I thought about it. And it was a really cool book about um, a dig that, you know, uncovered some like ancient form of life that was uh that started killing people and i remember hoping that he would have good luck with his writing career and um i kind of we kind of lost touch and recently i looked him up and i said oh geez he's written 24 books wow oh wow and a ton of short stories and a ton of ebooks the dude is not only busy not only prolific but also very successful and so he was on my radar again. Right. And I put some of the, some of his books on my list to read. Well, um, very recently, um, last month or so, uh, he put out his newest book called the crypt book. One is called shakedown. Scott Sigler. Can you see uh, that guys? Yeah. It looks it perfect. Can. Yeah. And, that's, uh, that's nice UV gloss on that, on that, on that book cover too, man. Oh yeah. It's nice. Uh, the crypt, Book one is Shakedown, and this is sort of like um, the reviews have called it sort of a mix between Event Horizon and Battlestar Galactica, which wow. is pretty damn descriptive. Uh, it's awesome. I'm a slow reader, so I didn't want to wait months or not months, but a long time until I finished this to say something about it because um, it's a new release still. So I'm at page 200. Actually, I'm almost halfway through. Yeah, that looks like halfway little, to me. There's a little bookmark there. Uh, that's not bad. That's right. So, um, yeah. So it's awesome. The dude, he can write, and I read a lot of stuff. And uh, normally, if I'm reading a book and it takes the first fifty pages to set up the characters, I'll either check out, I'll put the book down, whatever. I usually would not be into that. But he does such a great job at introducing these characters—a bunch of characters, because this is like a huge crew of this ship. Every time he started a new one, I'd go, oh, a new character. All right. I just was getting used to the last one. And then two pages later, I'm like, fuck, I can't wait to see what happens with this person. <laughs> and then he switches away at a really pivotal moment and goes to another character and go, oh, no, another character. And you go, oh, my God, I'm in love with this character, too, after like two pages. So I highly recommend this book scottsigler.com you can get it there you can get it on amazon you can get it at the publisher um it's awesome it's obviously book one so uh i'm sold i love it and uh i'm proud of that guy you know we've known him for a long time so um yeah that's a uh, shout out to scott sigler doing cool stuff very cool man very cool yeah awesome. it, man. i remember that dude too yeah all right we're gonna close out this episode of V3Cast with another edition of Collecting Cool Stuff. Who's up this week? Uh, it's me this week. Um, I've said before, I'm a sucker for these Super 7 there series. Boys. Oh, he's got some more action figures. <laughs> and another, this thing one is. another thing I'm a sucker for is mm, the greatest singer of all time, at least the greatest metal singer of all time. Ronnie James Dio. Oh, yes, man. indeed. So predicted it. Wow. It's, it's. I mean, it was a no-brainer when these came out. I had to get them. You got Ronnie here, complete with the fucking microphone and <laughs> the the uh, you know the the devil horns there or or the maloke, right? That's what he called it. Oh, uh, yeah. evil eye protection against the evil eye. Right. And you have Murray over here, and he has you know. 
he has the chain and everything from the Holy Diver album cover. And uh, so this was obviously I had to have this. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, probably every time this segment comes to me, it's going to be either a Super 7 or a, a Funko. I don't know, whatever. That's uh, that's uh, something I like. I, I very much enjoy it. So there you go. You got Ronnie James Dio, um, the best. The yeah. best. Oh, at least I didn't. At least I didn't have to find the other one at Target for you. But I know you if you needed it, you would have. <laughs> right. That's the thing. But Aaron would have texted you when you were already in the parking lot. That's the only catch. <laughs> yeah, I would have had to go back in. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. Hold on. I'm going to go back in. That's right. I'll get it. Did you go to the same cashier? Yeah, and, and had to explain yeah, that. Like, oh, well, what yeah. happened is my friend uh, here. Well, I play in a band with him, too. And, uh, he, <laughs> so he, you're going to have to check did, that bag in. He needed that third back in here with that bag. <laughs> Oh my God. All right, fellas. Well, this has been a fantastic V3 cast. So uh, in the comments, let us know what you saw this summer concert wise, summer and fall. What were some cool shows that you saw? Uh, what What are some bands that you're looking forward to seeing even? And uh, let us know if you've seen Thanksgiving or if you plan to see it in the next few days. And uh, don't forget about the Voyager 3 Black Friday sale happening the November 24th through 27th at voyag3rstore.com. All kinds of new merch, all kinds of deals, specials, bonuses, surprises, and discounts. And did I say new merch again? I got yeah. to really hit that, that new merch. By the way, there's new V3 cast merch as well not just the band mm. and a whole bunch of fun stuff coming up so make sure to drop by the voyager 3 store and until next time have a great thanksgiving <laughs>